an Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to the Empire Boxing Podcast. Today, we have Site Super by Day, legendary cut man by night. Wow. Mr. Rod Zillow, <laughs> Rod Wingrove. Uh, he's the head cut man for BFL, and he's got about nearly 10 years in the game. Um, he works with Z Promotions, and then he's also been... Some of your highlights was the amateur MMA world champions as well that was happening in Vegas. Yep. And so we're gonna find all about find out all about your your highlight reels, the sure. highs and lows of being a cut man. Uh, but first, Rod, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was I'm a little bit. I'm, I was when you said we were we had a nice setup. I was like blushing a little bit. I'm like very professional. We look good, don't we? We try. Not as good as Jason looks, but we do try over here. Uh, Rod, where are you from? I uh, was born, well, I was born in New West, but I, I uh, was raised in Port Coquitlam. BC boy, yeah. born and raised. Yeah, born and raised. Uh, grew up in Port Coquitlam, and now I live in Burnaby. Nice. Have you ever moved or lived anywhere else in the world? Has your work taken you anywhere else? Oh, I, uh, my work has taken me all over the place. But right, no, with I've, travel? Yeah, I've, I've only lived in Poco and Burnaby. Nice. You always come back to BC. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Uh, and we've had uh, the pleasure of, of having you kind of, you know, coming around the Empire shows and, yes. and doing your thing. And yes. I think that was the first time I saw you in yeah. action. Yeah. Um, now, I'm curious, did you did you set out with the I'm going to be a cut man? Or did you fall into boxing or sports or MMA, combat sports in another way and end up as a cut man? How did that come to play? So, no. So what happened was I was always a boxing guy. Okay. Um, I walked, I watched boxing with my dad as a kid growing up. Loved bo- there was no MMA back then, mm-hmm. um, just boxing. And I loved it. I love combat sports. And back in the day, I'm pretty old. So back in the day, there was. I love a good back in the day. The the corner men were like, they were their own guys, you know, like mm-hmm. there was a lot of characters back then. Um, and especially the cut men. There was, and I, for, I don't know, for whatever reason, I always just was drawn to in between rounds, watching the corners do things, the coaching, doing the coaching guys hanging over the ropes, doing all the stuff. I always just found that super interesting, hmm. even as a little kid. Um, and then especially when a guy was cut and then people, it was like a pit crew, like yeah. a NASCAR pit crew doing things. Right? right. And it was like, I, for whatever reason, I just always found it interesting. Yeah. You've never seen a Q-tip so deep in an eyebrow <laughs> until you've watched that, right? Yeah. So anyway, I, I just always kind of found it interesting and then um, MMA came around, and then I kind of became an MMA fan, kind of late to the game. Um, but when I did, I was like, I was in my early 20s, and I was like, man, I'm, that looks cool. You know, I'm kind of into it. I'm going to go do some training. Maybe right. I'm going to be a fighter. So um, I signed up at a local gym, uh, Clinch MMA, and uh Quickly realized that I definitely wasn't going to be a fighter. No way. Okay, so what, what was the what was the get dead giveaway for you? It was just the dedication. Like, right. Because when I joined, um, there was guys getting ready just for a local tournament. Is the Tiger Bombs. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's mm. just a local martial arts tournament. Awesome. Jiu-jitsu. Um, kickboxing. Kickboxing. Mo- yeah. That type of stuff, okay. right? Just total amateur. It was at BCIT in the gymnasium or whatever. And BCIT is the hot spot, hey? <laughs> I've, had a, I've been there a few times for jiu-jitsu now. But watching the guys that were in my class getting ready for that, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I I was working full-time at that time. I was in an apprenticeship by then. I was, mm-hmm. I'm a carpenter by trade, and I was in my apprenticeship, and I was like, well, there's, there's no way like I can take time to do this type of stuff. But... I kind of got like super into it. Like mm-hmm. I want to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. And 
that's kind of how it happened. Right. I just was like, I'm, I'm not bullshitting. Yeah. Oh, can we swear? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Drop it. <laughs> I'm not bullshitting. I was just like, I'm going to be a cut man. Right. That was it. Right. That that's. And then the like, ding. Yeah. Thought bubble. Yeah. That's how, that's really all it was. Okay. So then how does someone go from the thought bubble of I'm going to be a cut man to actually stepping in the corner for your first match? What was that? process for you well it's a lot of work right so you can't just be decide and a lot of people think that this is the case that i'm just gonna be a cut man and I'm i wouldn't gonna, think that and i'm just gonna go start doing it a right. lot of people think that really you wouldn't believe some of the messages i get hey can i work the next event with you and they're like what experience do you have and they're like <laughs> fuck all well yeah they're just like well no i just want to do it <laughs> what yeah see like that wouldn't sorry let's just park on that that would never cross my yeah. mind that i can triage a human being's <laughs> open wound. Just, I got this. Yeah. Like with yeah. no training hey, or. I've seen Stitch do it a bunch of times on UFC. No problem. I got this. Oh, it happens okay. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You just need the little metal pressy thing <laughs> and we're fine. Okay. Crazy. Okay. So back then there wasn't social media like there is now. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was Facebook, but that was it. And there was the internet. Now you're dating yourself here. <laughs> but so. First, first thing I did was just went on the internet and started Googling local gyms and stuff like that and started asking questions. And I actually think the reason why I went more towards the MMA than the boxing was because the people I talked to in MMA were so much nicer than the people I talked to in boxing. Interesting. We can come back to that. There's a lot there. Yes. <laughs> so um, some guys were super helpful, but there was no one who was a cut man. Like everyone was like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to help you yeah. sort of thing. And so, uh, um, what I did was how I ended up doing it was I just started Googling, um, cause UFC was the, the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I just started Googling UFC cut man, cut man, boxing, world famous boxing cut man, mm -hmm. and just trying to find any way that I could contact them. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy who was working in the UFC. His name was Adrian Rosenbush. Um, he's since retired, but um, he was working for the, in the UFC at the time as a cut man. Right. And he had a website. And on the website, it said, contact me. Right? It was probably more for, like, okay. for, for work. I will. But, yeah. but I contacted him. Say less. <laughs> wrote him an email um, just saying like, hey, I'm in Vancouver. This is what I want to do. I'm pretty passionate about it. But I had, there's no one here to teach me. I don't know, even know how to begin. Mm -hmm. And didn't hear anything back. Oh yeah. So anyway, I ended up just calling people and just everyone told me no, no. And I was like, well, hey, can I just like come in and practice like on sparring days? And everyone was like, no, no, you can't do that. Right. And I got shut down by everyone. And then I started calling the people back again. Mm. And saying, hey, me again, listen, man, like, can't, and everyone was just basically like F off. Then one day I was actually sitting in a pub and I got a call and I was like, Las Vegas, Nevada. That's weird. So I'll pick up the phone and it's Adrian Rosenbush saying, hey, I read your email and I actually want to start like a school, like a, like a court, like a cut man course. Yeah but I've never taught anyone before. Would you be willing to come down to Vegas and kind of like help me to like, I'll teach you stuff and I'll help, help me develop a course. Books flight. Yeah. Amazing. 
Yeah. So I went down to Vegas and spent a week with him. Uh, he picked me up at the airport and we went immediately to Extreme Couture. And when pro practice was going on and um, he was good friends with, um, who's actually a really good cut man, Jamie Huey, who is one of the boxing coaches there. Uh, ex-professional boxer. Now he's a boxing coach at Extreme Couture. He was a cut man in the PFL. He's really good cut man. But he had a guy who was just starting training camp for a fight coming up, an MMA fight. And they were like, hey, you're going to wrap his hands for a sparring session today. We've been there 15 minutes. Right. And I was like, I'm, I didn't even know that this was part of being a cut man is the, the hand wrapping part. It's actually the most important. Interesting. And so I just started, well, I've wrapped my hands, my own hands a bunch of times with like boxing wraps. Yeah. And just started, okay, got some tape and gauze and... Yeah, and just took a stab at it. Took a stab at it. No, Rose, Rose and Bush? Yeah. Was he looking over your shoulder, kind of giving yeah. you little yeah, tips yeah. along the way? Well, no, he just kind of like let me do my thing. Right. And then afterwards, he was just kind of like, oh, we got he some work. He had a list of things. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So we what got some were, work to do. I'm so curious what that first... Like, oh, so you're in there, like you're out of your depth, right? Yeah. But you're, you're excited, but you're shitting your pants at yeah. the same time. <laughs> Right? Big time right? shit in You're my pants. You're wrapping this guy's hands. You're in extreme control. You've flown all the way to Vegas. This guy's looking over your shoulder. What did it feel like to wrap that first hand? It was, I'd, I don't really know what I felt like because everything was so like, Vision. I was really shit in my pants. Yeah. Like, I mean, Randy Couture's son is training right there. Roy Nelson's training, right? Like they're like all the big names of yeah. the UFC are just around me right now. Yeah. Like, and it was like. I did not expect that at all. So mm -hmm. it was, it was wild. I don't know how I felt. I don't think I felt anything. I was just so like in a, holy shit, <laughs> that I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I can't remember. Plus this is going back a while too. Yeah, so. right. And so how, how did the rest of that week play out? Like by the end of that week, did you leave going like, okay, I, I, I fucking have a grasp on this. Yes, for sure. So we, like, it was like a real, like a, like a real training camp. Right. They cut man yeah, training camp. I, he would come fast and, forward version 15 <laughs> he, minutes in. He would come and pick me up at the hotel. And in the morning we would go to uh, a gym called hard knocks Muay Thai and they weren't open at that time. So like there was no classes or anything. Mm -hmm. He, he was good friends with the owner. So we had the gym to ourselves. They have a ring in there and we would just do in ring scenarios. Almost like dry fire. Just yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I've got he would put like little stickers and stuff. I'm this. And we'd be practicing body position and how I would do things. And then, but it was like mostly wrapping hands. Mm. Like wrapping hands, wrapping hands, wrapping hands. And was that what you expected? Probably not. Not at all. Wow. No. Like I knew that because I had seen some videos, um, like I had bought um Jacob Stitch Durant's DVD. And, uh, how to be a cut man DVD. And he did a lot of like hand wrapping stuff right. in there. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. He does a lot of things. Mm. Not really kind of putting two and two together that that is a integral part of the, of the job. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, we would do, we spend a few hours there and just, I would wrap his hands, cut it off, wrap his hands again, cut it off, mm -hmm. wrap his hands again, cut it off. And every time he would say, try this, this time and do this, this time. And cause you kind of have to find your own way too, right? Like everyone has was, their I own styles. I was going to ask you that. I was gonna everyone say, has their own styles. Okay, cool. So there's not just like, this is how you do an MMA rap, a boxing rap. It's like, 
there's going to be preferences probably dictated what by the fighter and the coach? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. And then you're making micro adjustments for that person. Absolutely. So what do you do in a scenario when you're wrapping someone's hands for the first time and you don't know what they like? I talk to them. Is there something you default to? Oh, wow. I I talk to them. What kind of questions do you ask? So it depends if it's MMA or boxing. Okay, let's go scenario MMA. MMA. So first thing, I, I know nothing about this person. Yeah. I'll try to find some information about them ahead of time. Okay. The thing is, is in MMA... You don't work for a specific fighter like you do in boxing. You work for the promotion. Mm. So you're everyone's cut man, right? So at any point in time, anyone can say, hey, you want, I need you to wrap my hands. So that doesn't always work. I always try to negate it as much as I possibly can by talking to them at weigh-ins and saying, hey, do you need the promotion to wrap your hands tomorrow? And a lot of times they say no Mm. until they see you wrapping hands. And then they're like, ooh. And, And they're like, uh, actually, can you wrap my guys? Well, now it's, so then, you know, if I don't know anything about the gym, like, cause a lot of gyms, they have like, they're a brawling gym or they're like slick on the floor type gym or they're right. well-rounded. Um, and they're, it's my MMA wrap is generally the same, just different, a few different adjustments, but I'll just talk to the guy. I'll just say to him like, Hey, how's it going? How you feeling? Um, first thing I ask is, do you want your thumbs wrapped? That's a big thing. Some guys do, some guys don't. Hmm. Um, and then I'll just say, Hey, what's the game plan tonight? Are you going to choke this guy out? You're going to knock him out or just, we're going to play it by ear, see what happens. Hmm. And then they'll say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to tap this guy tonight. Then it's okay. Now I know there's a few things that I'm going to do, you know? Interesting. Okay. So what's the major difference between a fighter who's got more of a ground game, you know, offensive approach Mm -hmm. and a guy who's more of a stand-up? What's the major difference between the two hand wrap styles? So if there's a guy who's like a, a, like throws bombs type guy, like he's, he's coming in and like a Robbie Lawler type, he's not going to the ground. He's throwing bombs. Yeah, exactly. You're going to wrap him more like a boxer. You're going to be high up on the wrist. You're going to like really put like a, you're going to put a good pad on there. You're going to like really cinch everything up tight. You want to like squeeze the metacarpals together. Mm-hmm. Like you want to make it more of a, as a cast as possible. Right. Limit the amount of fracture yeah. potential. Where a jujitsu guy, I'm probably going to cut the tape down, lower down on his wrist to give him a little bit more wrist flexibility. Probably not going to be as tight on the, the hands. Um, probably going to like do a little bit less of a pad to just so that he's got a little bit more like, Dexterity. Dexterity yeah. in his hands. That sort of thing. So, so cool. it's just, but it's just like, it's just minor things, right. you know, it's not anything crazy. Right. Yeah. So, and then what's the major difference between, let's say like a, a stand up, you know, bomb throwing MMA fighters rap and a, and a boxing athletes rap. Well, it's just the amount of tape and gauze you can use. Which first is dictated by the athletic commission. It is. To a degree. Um, it is. There's probably minimums. Yes. There, well, there's maximums. <laughs> right. But... In BC, they're very strict on it, whereas in other jurisdictions, they're not. Hmm. Like, if you, I've wrapped a lot of hands in Vegas. They're not, they, as long as you're not going crazy. Right. Because the, the, the thing is, is that people don't understand is tape and gauze are pliable materials. Mm. You would have to put it this thick for it to be non-pliable absolutely it, and once you, there's you, sweat and it gets broken in it's a totally different material it it, it will never you'll you can never put enough on that like before it, it could be dangerous you won't be able to get a glove on right? right like you have to be able to put a glove on top of that so right. the whole like maximum thing i get it mm-hmm. but 
In almost goes without saying. Yes, right. but but in BC, they're very strict about it. It's it's their thing, and you just have to play by those rules. Right. And that's why a lot of the times when people come in from out of town, like you've seen at the at the Empire shows, yeah. they put they really fuss up. What the hell? Yeah. Like, you know, I can't. What, I'm um, like running around. The commission's asking me like for more. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to find it. Person's scary. Um, they're actually very lovely. So who's the loosest then? If BC is super strict, who's loose in Canada? Um... I have, a, well, I have a guess, but I want to see what you say. Alberta is the only <laughs> province that doesn't. <laughs> the Wild West of it Canada. Does, because they're the only one who doesn't have a provincial right. uh, sanction, right? It's all town to town. So mm. when they get uh, an event, that might be the first event that they've had in seven years. Right. You know, it's not their fault. Mm. And But usually those ones are pretty good because they really rely on the people like me to help them. Right. Whereas you can go to some places and they got their nose up their ass and they think they know better than you. And then they want to challenge you on everything. Right. So mm -hmm. like I, I did uh, one, I'm not going to say where, because I'm going to be working there this year and I don't want them to. <laughs> it's okay. We don't want you to lose any opportunities <laughs> over this empire boxing but podcast. The, the, the head commissioner came in and uh, sat down with me and he said, so when you're working a cut, what do you use? And I uh, said, kind of explained it. And he said, okay, well, um, I'm just concerned that the audience is going to um, feel that, you know, like, how do you dispose of them? And like, she was asking, like, how do I dispose of the oh, swabs like and health, stuff? Oh, like for health yeah. and safety cleanliness yeah. purposes? And, oh. it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, well, I throw it away. Like, I wrap yeah. them in my gloves and throw it under the seat and then Yeah, yeah, and whatever. then we ditch it after. Yeah, ditch okay. it after. And he's like, well, I'm just concerned that the audience is going to be concerned about that. Was this kind of around the COVID times? No, no, not at all. Interesting, okay. And, and I was like, they're here watching a drinking beer and watching a cage fight yeah. that no one, no one notices. And no me. one's watching. No, no, no one's really noticing. No, no one knows. And, and it was just a very weird thing. And he's like, well, maybe don't use the swabs tonight. What? And I was like, well, no, like absolutely not. That's what we use. And so weird. And he's like, okay, well, I'll have to talk some more about it. And I was just, I just avoided him for the rest of the night yeah, and just yeah, did yeah. my thing. But <laughs> Like sometimes that's the type of stuff you come up against. Just getting really micromanaged for kind of weird reasons. Very weird. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what's the, so like what kind of, do you have to have some kind of triage first no. responder, first nothing to no. be a cut man? Nope. Nope. When you were saying for your work, uh, when pre-show uh, Rod was saying, you know, to be a site super, you have to have pretty good first responder stuff. So you kind of have that in your back pocket anyways, probably from yeah, your I've work got safety my, stuff. I've got my basic construction first aid but ticket. there's but probably really very little crossover. No. Yeah. None at all. And there, that kind of blows my mind that you don't have to have anything. Well, no, side. because most of the, I mean, even still in boxing to this day, I mean, it's only the top guys that have like dedicated cut men. Mm -hmm. Like it's normally like just a coach that's it's doing such, it. It's like such a rogue sort of facet. Yeah. But that's why we have ringside physicians, right? So they're the ones who dictate, like, you you can't do a lot of, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't think you can do a lot of harm as a cut man. Yeah. You could screw a fighter over by being a shitty cut man, but you, sure. you can't really hurt them. Yeah, you can't because, make it worse. Yeah, because the, the, the ringside physician's just going to go, no, the fight stopped. Right. If you can't stop the cut, if you're a shitty cut man, you can't stop the cut, then they're going to stop the fight. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of more on their shoulders. Right. Now, what's the gnarliest, gnarliest story you have from the corner? Oh, man. 
I've give uh, me the gnarly one. I've had you, uh, can, you can have two. I like two stories. Okay, okay. so there was one uh, in BFL. Uh, there was a fighter that uh, both of them. I didn't have a chance to actually do anything because they got stopped because they uh, were just okay. too bad. Right. Okay. So one, uh, he got an indent in his forehead that ended up looking like someone doing this. Yeah. So the bottom part was sticking out, like it formed a bowl. Yeah. And then you could see in the bowl, you could see his, his like scalp. Like it was that deep that you could see his. What was that? A kick? I don't know. It was Elbow. in a, I think it was a knee in a scramble, okay. but it was like, <laughs> right. It was so, significant. So you're seeing, okay. So you're on, on this note, you're waiting, you know, the rounds you're watching the kind of clock go down. And are you seeing what's happening, noticing what's happening to the athletes and running through in your mind how yes. you're going to approach it? Cause you, you got a minute yep. to execute said strategy. So are you taking stock of that while you're watching the fight? hundred percent. So you really actually only have about 40 seconds. By the time you of get course, in the ring, the stool, you get the, yeah. you get the, the fighter. And it depends too, if they're cooperative too. A lot of guys, especially when they're in a bad situation, become uncooperative. Right. And then the, the coaches are panicking because they're trying to get the coaching in to keep their fighter going mm -hmm. and it becomes madness. Right. So right. I'm, I'm sitting on the side. I see a guy gets cut. Right away, I'm thinking, okay, what am, what is that? How bad is it? What am I going to need? And I mean, we only have a very few amount of tools. We don't. It's not like I have a whole treasure chest of things. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say to myself, ooh, I, do I need a big swab? Do I need a little one? Am I gonna use like a nose plug, or am I just gonna use my towel? Am I gonna use an end swell, or am I gonna use a you know a bag of ice? Mm -hmm. There's all those. Like, what am I gonna do? And then the next thing I'm thinking is, okay, how am I going to approach him? Am I going to, I always tried my best to have the coach in front of the fighter, mm -hmm. looking him in the eyes and coaching him. Mm -hmm. When I've got multiple things to do, I got to take precedence and I got to take over the, the VIP spot. But if I can manage, I try to stay off to the side. Mm -hmm. um, so then I think, okay, am I going to, get down beside him on his left or my right? Am I going to hold, like, how am I going to situate Orient this? yourself. Yeah. Yes, right? Like, it, a lot of things come into play with that type of stuff, right? right? And then, um, and then as with about 10 seconds left, I get, I always push my way to the front of the cage door and I'll let the, because there's someone who actually opens the cage door, yeah. right? It, um, in MMA. And I say to him, like, hey man, you got to get this open real fast. Yeah. Like, Time's know, ticking. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. So then he, I put the pressure on him to get that thing open. Yeah. And as soon as he opens, boom, I'm, I go in, I go straight to the fighter. The first thing I, I'll do is I keep like my rags that I wipe blood and stuff with. I keep on ice mm -hmm. in, in a thing of ice water. So it's cold, right. like ice cold. So the first thing I do is I'll grab that and I'll jam that on there and put all the pressure I can on it and just get him back to the stool. So I'm already working that cut before I even sit him down. Right. Right. Um, like we get to use medications. There's a few medications we get to use, but. And you guys get to use adrenaline in certain. Yeah. Yeah. That's one well. of the, that's yeah. one of the three that are sh sanctioned and it's most widely used. Mm -hmm. Um, we're also allowed to use thrombin and aventine, but. I've what are those for clotting? They're coagulants. Yeah. Okay. Um, thrombin I've never even seen before and, and aventine is super, super expensive and really hard to get. So typically the only 
medication you're using is a drug. Um, but people don't realize cold and pressure are they like, wonder. are the key, hmm. are the key to a stop in a cut. The medication helps. That's great. You know, and a vasoconstrictor like adrenaline is great, right. but cold and pressure is the number one thing. So I'm already putting an ice cold cloth and I'm pressing on that thing and I'm getting them back to the corner as fast as I can. Wow. Cause a lot of times too, if you're not there shuffling them back, they want a kiss to the crowd. Yeah. And yeah it's hurting they, cats. Yeah. And I'm, Look at me, I'm the bad, bad man on the planet here. So they don't, fighters will never in a million years help you out. Right. They'll never let you help them. Right. Never. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, so let's go back to underbite forehead guy. Yes. What was running through your mind when you're seeing that? What are you thinking? Like, how are you going to approach that? I knew they were going to stop it. I was like, right. there's so no way. I'm looking at his skull. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I went in there and I'm like, You'll hear a lot of cut men talk about, they'll even say to, you know, the doctor, like, you got to stop this. Yeah. I would never in a million years do that. That's not my job. Right. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm never putting someone's career in my hands like that. Do you think that that's because they're unsure if they can manage the injury? No, it's, it's the only people I've ever heard that are like legendary cut men. Right. So they, so, they fucking know. They've, they fucking know. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I don't have the balls to do something like that. Gotcha. I'm in the minor leagues here, so. Right. And I, don't, I just don't think I ever would. It's just not my job. I know right. my place, but. Wait till you're told that there's yeah, no more so work Yeah, so I'm just, done. I'm going to, I always uh, approach everything, even though I know in my head, I'm like, there's no way they're letting this go. Right, I, right, right. I go in there Ready and I, I attack it with the same vigor as this is going on, so. Wow. Yeah. So what's, okay, so another gnarly one. So we had skulls, exposed skull guy. What else? <laughs> so actually, there, so one that I actually did get to keep in the fight was um, Z Promotions Fight Night. Um, it was Chris Curtis, who's in the UFC now and actually doing really well, the action man versus Matt Dwyer. Oh, yeah, okay. Who's a, a legendary Canadian fighter. He was in the UFC too. He had a stint in there and he is probably the toughest guy I've ever seen in my entire life, Matt Dwyer. But he got, he got some damage on him on that fight. And actually, this is a fight that was in Lethbridge and like the New York Times did a story on how much blood there was. Wow. And it was just, his nose was, you can actually, if anyone wants to see it, they can go on YouTube, see promotions. Um, Jason, maybe we can find a photo of, of yeah. Matt Dwyer. Yeah, there'll be a few on my Instagram. Okay, sick. But his nose was like just enormous. And dealing with noses is real problematic. Right. Because they're real finicky. There's the tissue's not tough in there. And if someone's got a real bad bleed in there, it's sometimes it's really hard to stop. Right. Um, so his nose was swollen, gushing blood. He had cuts all over him, his eyes. So like you don't have enough hands. There's you have to prior right. at that point you have to prioritize damage. What is gonna get this fight stopped? So a swollen nose and a bleeding nose is not going to get the fight stopped. But an Swo eye. Swollen eyes and cuts over the eyes, bleeding into the eyes, absolutely will. Right. So had to prioritize those. And in the last like 10 seconds, once I got those under control, trying to like stop yeah. the nose bleeds hey, a little man, bit. I know your schnoz is messed <laughs> up, but, but it's, I'm just, go to the eye. just trying my best. Wow. And plus when you get, when someone's got that much damage and there's so much blood on your face, sitting on the side you can no longer tell what the damage is. Mm. Does he have a cut here or does he have a cut here or does he have a cut? I, I, I can't tell. There's blood everywhere. You right. can't see. 
So that becomes problematic because now you have to get in there and clean the face to find the problem right. before you can treat it. And so meanwhile, the clock's ticking. The clock's ticking. It doesn't stop, right? So it's uh, that one was, uh, I worked for my money on right. that night. So you were able to control the eye, yeah. the bleed on the eye. Yeah. And then the next round, did you get to address the nose more? Did the eye no, come back I, and haunt you? I was ad addressing the nose at the same time. Wow. So yeah, I was... I was shoving um, nose plugs up there, yeah. work in the eye, work in the cuts, and then going back to the nose for the last like minute. And when someone's got a nose, will, you just have to grab a hold of that schnoz and like, and squeeze it. And, and I'm like, man, this, I'm sorry, dude, yeah, like this yeah, sucks. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like putting all my pressure on it. It's right. the same with an eye too. Like, you know, someone's got, badly damaged eye and I'm just mm -hmm. sitting there with an eye, a piece of iron just pushing I'm not a small guy like yeah. pushing with yeah. all my strength on on that thing trying to keep it at bay you know yeah. it's now the purpose of the vast I'm guessing that's you know on one side that's to kind of have the punches sort of be deflected off the face yeah. but once there's a cut we often see the cut man you know scooping big chunks of gauze in there or sorry um big chunks of goo yes <laughs> so is that is, is that also helping as a coagulant so yeah, some guys, there's, there's some mixed feelings about this. Okay. Guys will take adrenaline and mix it in their Vaseline. Wow. Um, I don't actually do that. Um, it just acts more of a, for me, I just think it acts more of a seal. I, I just think that putting adrenaline into it and I, I am by no means the authority on this. I might be totally wrong, but right. in my opinion, I don't think it really does enough to warrant you've already used adrenaline in that cut. Yeah. Like, don't forget this is a medication too, right? Right. And so you've already used it in that cut and then putting stuff in it. That's just sitting in it. I, I just, I, I've just never done it. Right. Um, but no, what it does is, is it just acts as like a water dam, like mm -hmm. just kind of seals it. It's it. Um, and at the same time, probably still goes out and deflects kind of punches. Cause you know, that guy's going to go, well, the opponent's going to go eye hunting if he knows he's of got course. a cut, yeah. right? So yeah. I guess that's kind of a multi-purpose. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Um, now where does the Zilla come from in Rodzilla? So, um, when I started going to MMA classes, mm -hmm. um, it was in Burnaby and, uh, Burnaby has like a really high Asian population. So it was mostly Asian students in the class and I was way bigger than everyone. Oh, I know where this is going. And, and my name's Rod. Yeah. So my coach just yeah. started calling me Rodzilla. Amazing. And you can't get, you can't come up with your own nickname. You have to. I was literally having this conversation on the way over. I was like, you know, having one of the, one of the, the, the markers of living a good life is that you earn a good nickname. Yeah. So when Rodzilla is, is stuck and I think it's cool, it's got a whole brand and you got a whole shtick. And yeah. I love, I, if you haven't followed Rod, go follow him on Instagram. Um, it's Rodzilla the Cutman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it underscores? Yeah, there's Broadzilla underscore the Cutman. The Cutman. Yeah. Hey, go follow him on Instagram because it's it's actually quite cool. So I love that. So you ended up being Rodzilla because you're beating up all the smaller people. No, not at all. They were beating, <laughs> they were beating me up. You. Uh, I'm terrible at fighting. So it's a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And, yeah. And I don't know if that was even the reason. It could have just been that my name is Rod and I'm a bigger guy and it was just Rodzilla. But that's so funny. Yeah. I love that. Um now I'm curious, uh, what do you prefer now still, MMA over boxing? No, I prefer boxing mm. um, just because MMA gives me 
most of my work and I love MMA. I'm a big fan of MMA. I love working MMA shows, but there's just something different about working up because you're part of the team. Mm-hmm. You're not working. You, you don't have to be impartial. You're there for one guy and one guy only. Like when I work for, uh, Benit, mm-hmm. like I'm his cut man and I, I show up, I sit with the team. I'm not running around wrapping a thousand guys hands. I'm not putting out fires everywhere. I'm just sitting with the team. He is my sole responsibility. When he's ready to wrap his hands, I can take my time Mm -hmm. and just wrap his hands to give him the best wrap job that I can. Mm -hmm. And then in the fight, the the main thing that I love about boxing is you can be proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. Because in MMA, you're not part of the team. You can't go in for no reason because you actually take away one of their cornermen when you go in. Hmm. Uh, and that's only because most of local MMA, I work by myself. Hmm. Then you're giving that guy an advantage. So how they combat that is they say, if the cut man has to come in, one of your cornermen has to step back. So I'm only going in if the guy really needs me to come in. Right. And you're playing both sides, right? You can go in on either corner. So who makes that call? What if you got two cuts that need to be addressed? Who makes the final call? Knock on wood. Yeah. I haven't come into that too often. That's that's unbelievable to me that in MMA, there isn't more of that. But when it has happened, you just have to go with your gut feeling on who's more likely to have the fight stopped on them. Right. So um, it just happened... Two events ago at BL, uh, BFL, uh, Dayon was fighting a guy from the States. Really tough guy. Dayon got a bad cut over his eye. Uh, I think it was in the second round. And the other guy had nothing. So I was working on Dayon. That was no problem. Mm-hmm. But then Dayon started putting it on him. And now this guy's all busted up. But mm-hmm. it was all below the eyes. Right. So his corner was saying, hey, cut man, you got to work on our guy. And I'm, I just said, hey, sorry, man, I have to attend to him. He's got a bad cut over his eye. That's the one, if it gets worse, it's going to get stopped. I, that's the only thing I can do being impartial. Right. I can't, I don't have enough time to do 20 seconds on this guy. There's no point. It's not yeah. going to work. So, yeah. so but in boxing, I can be proactive. Like you'll see me, I'm always putting the end swells on my guys, even though they don't need it. I'm just keeping their face cold, keeping mm. the blood vessels down, everything I get. And I get to revaseline them every yeah. round, you know? And then plus two, when your guy wins, yeah, you get to celebrate. You get yeah. to be like, yeah, yeah, this is great. So that's amazing. Yeah. So. Now are you working on the next, there's another, there's a BFL coming up in March. Yes, that's right. Are you working on that one? Yeah, of course. Awesome. And yeah. are you going to work on our show? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Very good. Now what's your, like, what's your ultimate, I mean, goal with this? Like, would you like one day love to step away from, you know, be, doing carpentry maybe as a hobby and step away from your, your daylight and go full-time cut man? Like what, what would you like? Well, I mean, yeah, that would be a dream. Is that the dream? But I don't think that'll ever happen. Hey, I never mean, say never, man. Well, it's just, there's only a few guys that are able to do that. But my big dream is number one is to make it to the UFC. That's, mm. I, I want to do. I'll just call my boy Dana after. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> but I, I want to do the trifecta. I want to do a UF, I want to work for the UFC. I want to do a world championship boxing, work the corner of a world championship boxing fighter mm-hmm. and a world championship kickboxing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now I haven't noticed, um, 
like let's say ADCC. Are there cut men's that work in jujitsu? Like it's so much ra- more rare to have a cut in jujitsu. No. But have you ever seen it? No. Interesting. Not even like in like uh, what do you combat jujitsu? I don't know. I don't know enough about combat jujitsu. I wonder to... if that once that starts because I mean it's starting to build more popularity. Yeah, it I'm is. I'm wondering it's... what will happen with that. Yeah, but do they have rounds? You know, I, I honestly don't know like the the actual breakdown. But I mean, the I think the only advantage from well, advantage, I guess, from not having to have a cut man is maybe that it's all open palm. Mm-hmm. It's not closed fist. So I think when you get knuckles involved, things are different. You're gonna Big split time. split skin. Yeah. But I think maybe because it's open palm, the the worst that would probably I think I mean guys who got knocked out. Yeah. Like let's say that. But yeah. I think maybe probably broken nose might be or just a real wanged up nose yeah. might be the worst that happens. Or maybe, you know, teeth and the lip yeah. kind of thing. But probably doesn't warrant a cut. Yeah, right? no, probably not. Um and it, especially if they don't have rounds, then right. there's no Cause it is, it's usually like these, these super fights are like 40 minutes later, like everyone's, you know, yeah. whatever. Interesting. Now, do you like, what is the, what's the path from where you are now into getting to the UFC? Do you know what that trajectory looks like? It's, it's actually very much the same as a fighter. Like it's right. you, you start in the gyms, you work at, in gyms, you do work sparring events, you know, kind of prove your worth. Then you get to like, just like the low local shows, you work your way up to the higher local shows and then you get to do a little bit of travel, Mm -hmm. you do some bigger shows and then yeah, the, you just get noticed. It's, it's kind of like asking, well, how does a a Vancouver MMA fighter make it to the UFC? Mm. You know, you got to get noticed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, and what, uh. Like what are there, are there people you've met along the way that you kind of have in your back pocket now at this point as contacts and connections and things like that? Well, that's a, that's a beauty of social media. Like I wish I had that 10 years ago because like I, I can like Robo, uh, Robin Rowe, who is my, like my guy, the, Mm -hmm. the one that I, I think is the goat. Um, he's one of the top dogs at the UFC now. Um, I, get to message him. Like he, he'll message me and say like, Oh, like he actually messaged me and said, Hey, good luck tonight. Awesome. And like, this is a guy that I like put on a pedestal. Like yeah, this, yeah. that's my, that's the goat. And how did you guys connect? Just became friends on Instagram, sent him a DM Instagram. and just said, Hey man, I got a question about this. Mm. You know, what would you do? And he's a really great guy and actually wrote me back. Some guys won't, or some guys just kind of give you like half ass answers, but right. there's some guys that are really great about answering questions and stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. Really supportive. Yeah. And any, did you still have contact with Rosberg? Uh, Rosenberg. Rosenberg. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Rosenberg, not Rosberg. <laughs> yeah. The other guy, Rosenberg. Adrian. That guy. Adrian. Adrian. Okay. Yeah. I text him every once in a while. Um, his wife is like some super seamstress and like does like crazy wedding dresses and stuff like that. Wow. And he's, I think he's moved over there and, he he doesn't he's not in the business anymore. Oh, he's not. No, no. Wow. So he's from cutmans to yeah, I seamstress think, assistant. Yeah, I think he helps her. I I think um, there must be some serious wedding dresses. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what a contrast. Yeah. Oh man, uh, crazy. So yeah, so you've got some of these contacts and connections, and and I guess it's just a matter of like doing your time in the trenches and that's right, doing yeah. a great job. Now is is it better to be kind of being noticed throughout different shows, working with different people? Or it's like, say like a guy like Benit, let's say he's like, Hey, I don't want to 
go on the next journey without you. And that next journey just happens to be 10 steps up from where he is now. Yeah. And you go along for that ride. Is that another vehicle to kind of get you to oh, a more world stage? Yeah. What would your like ideal scenario be like being with a fighter and taking the path with them or kind of doing multiple shows and just kind of getting your, your, your roots that way? Well, that's the great thing about doing what I do is you can do both. Right. Like you're not like a, a fighter. So, so let's say Benit goes to the big time, right? Say he's at the Benavidez level now, right? Mm -hmm. And he's doing, well, they probably, you would probably go into training camp with them wherever they go for their training camps. And you would be part of that training camp for, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks or whatever. Right. You'd be wrapping their hands every day for their sessions. And that's, but that's like when you get to that big money level that they can afford to have all those things. Right. And that might even be like what, six times a year kind of at the most. So then you can fill your other time. Oh, of course. Yeah. Doing other shows. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I love that. You get to, you get to branch out, right? You get to do all the different. Things. Right. Now, are there skills or, you know, skill sets that are, because I mean, you know, boxing's evolving. Boxing coaching is evolving. Yes. Boxing SNC is evolving. U UFC is evolving. UFC SNC is evolving. Even jujitsu is evolving more in UFC or like UFC. So there's all these things that are growing and changing. What's the cut man industry like? Is it also growing and changing? And it is. Um, there's the thing with being a cut man is there's not really much that you there's nothing innovative that you can do to make it different. Right. Like you're only allowed to use your certain, it's not like they can come out with any new products that are For like sure. the new thing that you can do. It's just, there's, I mean. Is there anything that you would change about what you can use, what you can't use regulations, anything like if you could? No, because I don't know. I haven't done enough research into if there's anything, there might be some kind right. of coagulant out there that, ER surgeons use that you put a drop in and it seals the bloody wound. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, all of a the guy's Wolverine and <laughs> yeah, the wound have, just closes I have up. no idea. We haven't found that yet. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I was kind of curious. I'm like, is, is that a, because I guess like probably you're going to see, essentially you see a lot of the same thing and you see it in different ways mm -hmm. or you see varying degrees of severity and then it's about getting really fast on your draw. That's right. Like you got to be a quick draw. A hundred percent. So, and do you, do you do any kind of training or dry fire or anything for that? Nowadays? Yeah. So I do a lot of, um, like studying film. The, mm. um, UFC fight pass is awesome to have because they don't, when you, you, they have all of their fights that they've ever had on there, but they don't have the commercials. Mm. So they have all the corners oh, being wicked. filmed. So you, I can watch a hundred hours of Rob Monroe working cuts. Wicked. And then I can see, what did he do in this position? Oh, okay. I see how he, uh, I see why he did that. And then you can also see times when guys screw up, right? Because even at the top levels, guys screw up sometimes, right? Yeah. And you see, oh, I see what he did there. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to make sure. So, That's so cool. I studied film all the time. Wild. Number one, just because I like to watch fights. Yeah. But number two, um, I can just make mental notes of, hey, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. What we call getting two birds stoned at once. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but back in the day, what I used to do, uh, I don't do it so much anymore, but I would put like a mannequin head on the table and pretend that they have a cut there. And I would just walk around it and try different positions. Okay. If I was going to do, what's the best way to hold this this way? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then 
you do it live and then the cameraman gets in your way, the coach gets in your way, the fighter doesn't cooperate and that all goes out the window. So, right, right. Yeah. How many shows are you doing a year on average? Um, MMA shows, I'm probably doing about, I don't know, 12 or 13, 12 to 15 a year, mm -hmm. um, MMA, and then probably three or four boxing. Yeah. It's just like the, the, the ratio of MMA events to boxing events is wildly skewed. Yes. Wildly skewed. Yes. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously that's our, that's a whole nother conversation. That's our, our battle to wage, but yes. it is, it is pretty wild how, how much that's screwed now, And I want to go back to something we said, speaking of boxing versus MMA, the culture around each, you were saying, you know, boxing just, it does, even though it's still, you know, a bloody battering of a sport, it still seems to be a little bit more on the gentleman's edge. hundred percent. If I, if I may versus MMA, you've got that, you're like, you're going to, you're joking about full patch. HA, that's not even a joke. Like that's, that's real. Yeah. Like, you know, go to some of these events and you're like, oh, this is, this is a crowd. There's, if you took a, a local boxing event, say mm -hmm. the empire boxing crowd and, uh, and a local, they're very, very different. Right. Um, a couple, one of the main reasons I think is typically for a local show, the audience that you get, you'll get a, a certain sect that's just a big MMA fan or a big boxing fan. Like right. you'll get a certain, you'll sell a certain amount of tickets to someone like me who's just a boxing fan and they want to see professional boxing. But what you get mostly is people that know the people that are on the cards. Mm. In MMA, that's a lot more of an opportunity because the gyms are bigger mm. because they have the adult kickboxing class. They have the adult jujitsu class. Totally. There's they, so many martial arts disciplines that are operating out of one facility. That's right. It's like four or four times the and, membership. And even the kids jujitsu, the parents that go there, right. they get to meet the professional fighters that are going to be fighting. So they all buy right. tickets to go see that guy. Whereas at a boxing gym, they're much smaller. And how many professional fighters are in a local boxing gym? Like one or two? Maybe, yeah. yeah. You know? At that. And they don't, they don't normally work out with the, the soccer moms that are in there, you know, doing their one, two combinations. For They're sure. in there with their coaches, a couple sparring partners. So they, you're already at a disadvantage that way. Right. So. Cause I've had this conversation with, um, I think it was Rhett Gibbons. It was, you know, why isn't there more of a fan crossover between the two? Cause you think in, in my mind, like, and I'm, you know, obviously biased as a combat sports fan, much like yourself. I'm like, I'll watch any of it. Yeah. I'll watch any of it. If there's a local this, local that, like, like short of like, I don't know, some like really like super Eastern martial arts with like a stick and a, and a kimono kind of thing. Like short of that, just cause I don't understand it. I probably would actually, to be honest with you, but I'm less likely to go that. But if there's like, if there's anything in MMA, jujitsu, kickboxing, boxing, like I'm there. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you're thinking that that's kind of maybe why some of that fan crossover yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. And then, and then you layer out a few affliction t-shirts and some tap out. That's right. On top of that, yeah. some full patch members. And then you've got, you know, yeah. and it's just, and it's, just the, it's just the way it is right now. MMA is more popular than boxing. Like. I mean, Tank Davis just fought this weekend and I talked to people and they're like, who's that? I'm like, what? That was a big pay-per-view. Like just, that was a big fight. Yeah. And they just wiped the single tear yeah. away. But it is, it is really interesting. And I think, um, I think especially with like the marketing that goes into, um, well, it's, it's crazy too, because you look and this isn't this, I'm not, there's no hate here, 
But the the actual like marketing from a style perspective that goes into some of these local like the BFL events and stuff or like the Mamba Fight Nights. I mean, like, you know, compare that to ours. Like, obviously, Jason's amazing at his his uh, audio visual stuff, and we got you know great talented people. But it looks so clean. It looks so much better. Like I'm looking at some of. I mean, I'm trying not to be biased, but I'm looking at some of the stuff that we're putting out there, and I'm like, wow, that's that's sick. Like the fight posters and stuff. Like I want to go to that. And you see some of like the BFL fight posters or like the Mamba fight posters, and you're just like, oh, interesting. Because they don't need to. Right. Because the people are coming. And the people are coming. And it's like there's a culture there that's already been created. And I think boxing can maybe learn a little bit from that. But I would love to know what the formula would be to like draw in the trickle of combat. Like people that are just like, I love combat sports. I will go to both BFL, Empire shows, whatever it is, I'm going to be there. I would love to know like what that secret formula is. What's your opinion on that? Well, you, you got to remember too, people have to buy tickets to it too, right? Mm. So not everyone can buy, you know, $70 tickets for every show. So if they can only afford to go to one show. Right. They're They're going to go where they have the most association probably. That's that's right. right. And, and the one that's probably going to be more violent. Like in in an MMA show, you're going to have the guy that gets knocked out dead in, <laughs> in 25 seconds. Right. Typically you don't have that in, in, uh, in a boxing show. Mm-hmm. Unless my man Benit's fighting. Hey, then, hey he- now, shout out Beesla. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's true. And I mean, I mean, from your perspective too, there's, there's far more work to be done in MMA. You've got elbows are a factor. Knees are a factor. 100%. I mean, I mean, if someone gets their, their joints snapped with jujitsu, there's not much you can do with that. Right. But yep. it's like, you've got far more opportunity for cuts to open up that you have to address. Yep. And in boxing, it just happens a little bit less. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, and you really, you think that is part of it too. Like people want to see the blood yeah. and the, the carnage. Yeah. 100%. And it goes back, it goes back to some almost like, I think real, you know, primal parts of us yeah. that, that love that. But they did in the Roman days. Right? The gladiator. Yeah. It was, it, so, okay. Cut man in the gladiator days. You got a guy. He's got a spear in his shoulder. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> not much I can do what for that. What are you thinking about when you're like, man, he's got like a sh- like shard of metal shrapnel sticking out of his shoulder. What what tools are you pulling out for that one? Uh, probably just going to uh, mix some water with some sand and try to plug that thing <laughs> as best as I can and say, hey, man, good luck to you. But you're probably going to die in a few minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. What was your proudest moment in your career as a cut man thus far? Hmm. First time that I got called to travel with Z Promotions, where they actually called me up and said, we want you to come to Calgary. Uh, sorry, actually, no, it, wasn't. it was Lethbridge. Mm-hmm. We want you, we're going to pay for you to come, you know, send us your details. We'll send you your plane ticket and checking into the hotel for the first time. Yeah. And being like, wow. Sitting down is- on the bed and just having that moment like, yeah. okay, we're here. Yeah. And then it was just, uh, I would say the other thing is going from like, like I didn't just come back from Vegas and I worked for the BFL mm-hmm. and, you know, like I had to ask teams, um, I started doing some stuff with clinch, um, and like just working for them. Mm-hmm. And then people saw me wrapping hands and were like, oh, hey, can you wrap my guy's hands too? And and then eventually the BFL said, hey, let's hire you for the show. Yeah. And the, so those first couple, when the commission's doing the rules meeting, brought me up in front of all everyone in their camps and said, hey, this okay. is a cut man. If you need someone, you know, uh, 
our cut man's here. And someone yelled, do we have to use them? I'm in front of all these people. And you just said you're going to want to? No, I just was like, no, you don't have to. And they're like, okay, good. And then to now where people are like, hey, know me by name. And they're like, hey, Rod, they're calling me in advance going, hey, my guy got cut in uh, training camp. What should we do? Right. Can we do something? Right. And then, and having guys who have gone up to the higher league saying, hey, can you come out for training camp and wrap my hands and just kind of like take care of me like during training camp? So to go from that where someone's going, oh, do we have to use them to like, you're getting the phone call to the respect that I have now. Um, I'm pretty proud of that. Like I, I put in the work amazing to to be there. It was interesting. One of the first things you said at the beginning was, you know, you, you didn't necessarily feel drawn to the, to the boxing per se because of all the dedication. But as you tell your story, I'm like, man, it took a shit ton of dedication to get where you are. Yeah. So yep. did you surprise yourself like when when you actually went down to that to that grind thinking that ah that grind's not for me and then you, it sounds like you embarked on something that was almost even harder. Yeah. Like did that surprise you? Or did you kind of look back in the end and go, "Oh, I guess I guess I did have it in me." Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of happened at a pace where I don't think I really noticed it, you know? Like I just it was something I really wanted to do and I'm kind of that guy. If I want to do something, I kind of just jump in with both feet and go for it. Wicked. And you know, I didn't let that type of stuff stop me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I even called them back and they still told me to F off. And, and that's hard. Cold calling someone that you yeah. know doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. Is, that's really hard. That's enough to turn a lot of people off. Yeah. And you just stuck with it. Yeah. It's actually funny. Uh, it's because I get a lot of messages now. Well, I often get messages. I should say a lot might be a little top. But hey, no one has to know. <laughs> I often get messages from people saying, hey, I would like to be a cut man. And that was my next question. I'm like, how do you approach when people ask you now? Okay. So, um, it depends. Cause you kind of get two different types. You get the people who are, oh, I'm, I'm interested in this. Like, could you tell me more about it? Mm. And how would I go to get started? And those people I always answer and I, you know, kind of tell them how I did it. Everyone's going to have a different journey, you mm-hmm. know, but this is kind of your baseline. This is what you need to do to start. Mm-hmm. But then I also get the people And I think with social media nowadays, people get like a little over aggressive with what they actually feel like, like people talk to us, Rod, (laughs) two people will go out for dinner and they'll be like, this was life changing. And it's like, well, no, it wasn't life changing. Okay. That's a little aggressive, you know? So people will message me and go, oh, this is my passion. I've always wanted to do this. There's a lot of emoting out in the world now, isn't there? Yes. Okay. And so when those people call me. Or, or message me, I don't answer back. Mm. And it's the first test. Will you message again? Yes. Are and, you truly and passionate? not one person has passed the test yet. Interesting. How passionate are you when you text the local guy how I want to get started and he doesn't get back to you and you don't even message him again? Try again. Yeah. Let this be a lesson to all those out there. If you really want something, don't take no for an answer. That's right. Right? Because that's, Cause that's 100%. You, you didn't take no for an answer. Yep. And here you are. Now you're the guy getting messages. Yep. So on that note, looking back through your, your you know, your journey and w- have you ever thought about running, doing like your own ebook or doing your own courses? Or- no, it's kind of frowned upon really. I mean, really? the guys who do the courses, 
I, I don't want to. Okay, we go back. Frowned upon how? Is it like is it like a little bit McDojo or what? Yeah, totally. Really? 100%. But even if the information's good and delivered in a, in a stylish and professional way? There's enough, there's enough information you can get on the internet now to get started. And there's enough guys doing it with, and who are nice enough to message back and, and answer all your questions. There are guys who are doing courses, um, but everyone kind of, well, most people kind of look at that as like, eh, come on, man. Interesting. So is that coming from like, oh, they're trying to get a buck or what? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, because it doesn't, you can't take a, excuse me. So, they're, I don't want to shit on them because they are great for someone who has no idea how to start to go to a weekend course, learn, you know, how, like get the, the base kind of demonstration on how to wrap hands to kind of give you an idea to have someone explain what the different pieces of gear that we use. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, when actually, when I was in Vegas, um, with Adrian, one of the, the, the best parts of that was one day we were just at his house and for about an hour and a half, I just asked him questions. Hmm. And that was like everything from, hey, when you travel, how do you pack your bag with carrying this stuff? How do you pack your your bucket? Mm-hmm. Like just everything I could think of. And for like, yeah, for a good while. And so for th- those courses are good. The problem is, is nowadays people think they've done that course and now they're a professional cut man. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, Hey, uh, Dana White, I'm, I've taken my two day course here. I'm ready for the UFC. Do you think that it's just like more of like a, a glitch sort of in just culture nowadays yes. in general? Cause I do think that, cause I see people in my industry all the time too. Like you took your PT course and you're like, now I earn $120 an hour. Thank you so much. You're like, what, who have you trained? What yeah. have you done? How yeah. many hours have you put in? Like when I started, it was like, you get 30 bucks an hour and you work eight to eight. Yes. Grind it out. Do your time. That's right. You're slinging coffees before you own the coffee shop. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's a society glitch nowadays yeah. where it's just 100%. Like, I have my certification Put me in coach. Yeah. I want to get paid what that guy gets paid. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. I've had people message me who have worked one like local show and then ask me how they get sponsorships. Wicked. You, you haven't done anything yet. Wicked. Yeah, I do. I think I, I think I see that so often in so many different examples I can think of. Yeah. I do think that's just a complete glitch in society right now. There was one person that I saw that literally had worked one show. And then started awesome. a YouTube channel on Perfect. how to be a professional cut man. Awesome. You haven't, you honestly bless the audacity. Like <laughs> yeah. just get it. And that, I think that that's part of Instagram culture too, right? Yeah. Is you've got all these Instagram experts saying regurgitating, like even old shit, shit that's been disproven shit. That's not relevant anymore. And they're like, yeah. And they got their own YouTube channel and they've got a subscription Yeah. and you know, and these poor fuckers that they just don't know what they don't know. Yeah, that's right. And they're signing up. Yeah. You know, their credit cards being dinged every month. Yeah. Thinking that they're, they're getting good information and, 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 and it's like, and that's part of the double-edged sword that is social media, right? It can be super lucrative and it can be highly informative and it can be your pathway to really valuable connections and a, and a whole career can spawn off of it. Or it can just be like wading through the bullshit, like infinite sinking sand pits. Cesspool Cesspool of bullshit. bullshit, 100%. Yeah. Right. You see that in every industry. So that's really interesting. So, and I I was thinking, I'm like, oh man, that sounds like a great, you know, little business idea. But I guess that, you know, there are, there are a couple books out there. Like actually Adrian wrote a book and I read it and it was actually pretty good. Like 
there was actually a few things, and I actually just read it recently. Um, and there was a few things that he had in there that I actually found to be like, oh, I, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, like stuff about sponsorships and stuff like right. that. Like I personally don't give a shit about sponsorships. Do you have any? No. Never uh, really? Well, actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, I deal with uh, Clinch Fight Shop in Edmonton. Shout out Clinch Fight Shop. Yeah. Um, um, but we just have, like, he's just a friend and he's got really great stuff, so I promote it, but it's right. not like a sponsorship. Right. Um, I did at one point, uh, I had a, a watch company, but again, that was just someone that I knew that they, right. I got a free watch every year. Yeah. There was no contract. There was no obligation. Just it was kind just, of organic, just yeah. good people supporting but good people. I, I don't give a shit about that stuff. I care about becoming the best that I can at this mm-hmm. and making it to the, the highest levels. Let your work speak for you. And there's so many people now that do all this goofy shit with like, oh, I'm going to wear a crazy hat while I do this to be <laughs> like this, or I'm going to come up with a really zingy name and I'm going to do this to... Right. No. Put your nose to the fucking ground. Get good at your at your trade. Get the experience become indispensable and make it to the highest levels. That's how you yeah. do it. And then put on a pink hat if you really yeah, want to. Yeah, exactly. I think that I, there, there's such a good nugget there. You know, I, I think that's I think that's like a super wicked kind of quotable moment. And I want to throw that on the reels later. Um, Jason, that's your job to remind me that, okay? Um, but also what what I think is really important for people to know is that sponsorship clout doesn't always mean that you know what you're talking about and you're good at what you do. It means that you're very good at marketing yourself. And 100%. what we know about marketing is you can shell, you can you can polish a turd yep. and you can sell that shit to someone. So it's really important that people understand the quality of the service that they're getting, the experience of the service provider, and their dedication to their craft over the tassel vest and the pink hat and the hundred thousand followers on Instagram or whatever. If you yeah. have all that because you've been fucking good at your job, then great. Yeah. But there's a lot of good people out there who know shit, who don't have, you know, aren't sponsored by, you know, whatever. Right. So, and I think that that's, I think that's super important is that marketing, someone who's good at marketing may not necessarily know what they're doing. And, and that's, that's polluting every industry. Yep. You know, very much so. Um, Rod, it's been such a pleasure to chat. Thanks for with having you. me. Yeah, it's been super fun. You know, you're you're a great guy. We can't can't wait to see you working in the corner. And now I'm gonna be watching you. I'm, there you oh, go. What's he doing? Is he on the left? Is he on the right? <laughs> right? Is he got the ice out early? He's yeah, he's being proactive. Now I'm gonna be remembering all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. You're a super nice guy. And I have to shout out your uh, your Instagram story it was so funny. So Rod posts, uh, we were, we're like trimming your nose hairs, your beard or something. Yeah. <laughs> and he's saying, getting ready for the Empire Boxing Podcast. I fucking love that. That was that was amazing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you're, 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 look, you're a legend. You know, everyone in the industry, you know, locally talks so highly of you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're good at what you do and, you sh- and you, you're you a great per- person. So it's just been just such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Okay, well, thanks for having me nice this is another episode of the empire boxing podcast with rod zilla the cut man give him a follow and check out our reels on social media because there's going to be some good nuggets from rob uh, rod dropping very soon talk to you later and see you next time on our youtube make sure to listen follow and subscribe to empire boxing on apple spotify and youtube